Hello, my name is Joshua Gilliland. I am the attorney blogger on Bowtie Law and one of the two bloggers on The Legal Geeks. Today, we will discuss the tort of negligence. Negligence is frequently misunderstood, but it's a term we all know. And there are many people out there right now who may wonder if they could have a negligence cause of action against someone for the following statement. I love you, like a brother. Every girl should have a friend like you. No, as far as I know, no one has ever successfully sued another person on being put in the friend zone. So what is negligence? Under Black's Law Dictionary iPad app, negligence is defined as the failure to exercise the standard of care that a reasonably prudent person would have exercised in a similar situation. Well, let's dive a little deeper and start looking at jury instructions based upon statutes across the country. First off, if you're going to actually have an action lead to someone being able to sue, the two have to be connected. There has to be proximate cause between the two. And there are some classic cases dealing with this because negligence by itself just doesn't exist in thin air. Something has to happen to cause somebody else harm. Proximate cause under New Mexico. An act is a cause of harm if unbroken by independent intervening cause. It contributes to bringing about the harm and if injury would not have occurred without it. Additionally, it need not be the only explanation for the harm nor that reason that is nearest in time or place. It is sufficient if it occurs in combination with some other cause to produce the result. Finally, to be cause, the act nevertheless must be reasonably connected as to a significant link to the harm. California is a little different than New Mexico. It follows the substantial factor test. The substantial factor test absorbs the but-for test that would be known in proximate cause. A substantial factor in causing harm is a factor that a reasonable person would consider to have contributed to the harm. It must be more than a remote or trivial factor. It does not have to be the only cause of the harm. Let's look at Pennsylvania just to see how they define negligence in their jury instructions. The legal term negligence, otherwise known as carelessness, is the absence of ordinary care that a reasonably prudent person would use in the circumstances presented. Negligent conduct may consist either of an act or a failure to act when there is a duty to do so. In other words, negligence is the failure to do something that a reasonably careful person would do or doing something that a reasonably careful person would not do in light of all the surrounding circumstances established by the evidence in the case. It is for the jury to decide how a reasonably careful person would act in those circumstances. Let's go back to California. In their jury instructions, it is defined as negligence is the doing of something which a reasonably prudent person would not do or the failure to do something which a reasonably prudent person would do under circumstances similar to those shown by the evidence. It is the failure to use ordinary or reasonable care. Ordinary or reasonable care is that care which persons of ordinary prudence 
would use in order to avoid injury to themselves or under circumstances similar to those by the evidence. Both are similar, but both are different when you start looking at reasonably prudent versus reasonably careful. If we were in California and you were bringing a negligence cause of action, here's what you would actually have to prove at trial. The plaintiff would have to prove that the defendant was negligent, that the plaintiff suffered harm, and that the defendant's negligence was a substantial factor in causing plaintiff's harm. Well, let's take a look at a case example of someone suing another individual on, on negligence. And in this case, it's from Massachusetts. The plaintiff was suing both on a negligence and a negligent infliction of emotional distress cause of action because the defendant put her phone number on a bathroom stall and her family got some unpleasant phone calls. This was not the fun Tommy Two-Tone song, but something more disturbing. And in it, they were getting suggestive messages, and so they sued. Now, the defendant moved for summary judgment for the negligence and the negligent infliction of emotional distress causes of action. The motion for summary judgment was denied on those two causes of action. Here's why. Well, you have to first look at what elements have to be proven for the negligent infliction of emotional distress. Here's what the plaintiff would have to prove at trial. That the defendant's negligence caused her emotional distress. That resulted in physical harm manifested by objective symptoms. And a reasonable person would have suffered emotional distress under those circumstances. The attack focused on the physical manifestation of the physical distress because she didn't see a doctor. However, the plaintiff did talk to friends and co-workers about not being able to sleep, anxiety, and other factors that she was suffering harm. And the court stated, you don't actually have to see a doctor or a medical professional to quantify the emotional distress. It, it certainly does help in being able to prove it, but the court stated that was enough to survive summary judgment and that could then be fought out at trial uh, with evidence offered from the plaintiff. This concludes our recording for today. If you enjoyed this material, please check out my iPad app, The Deponent, available on the App Store. And yes, it has model questions based on California's jury instructions for negligence. Thank you and have a great day.